At Gates, we are passionate about the Word of God. We hope the message you are about to listen to empowers you today. Well, this morning, as she said, my final message, from life to death to life. We talked about the life of Jesus before His crucifixion, before He died. Last week, we talked about His death and the kind of death that He had to die. Make sure to Go back and listen to these if you haven't. And, and then today we're talking about the resurrection and the life. And that's who he is. And I'm so grateful for the, the Word of God, Scripture, connecting all the parts together. You know, you, you can't separate the birth of Jesus and the life of Jesus the crucifixion of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, and the ascension of Jesus. You can't separate those. They're one and the same. They all go together. They're different events, but you can't separate them because you would never have the death, burial, and resurrection without the birth, right? And you would never have the birth if there wasn't already a purpose for the birth and His purpose on planet Earth. Can you say amen to that? So, I'm just today excited about finishing this and and giving you some really great thoughts to take with you today. Um, In Philippians chapter 3, starting with verse 7, I want to, I want to focus today on the resurrection of Jesus, but I want to focus on what the resurrection does for us today. It's one thing to acknowledge the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, to acknowledge that it happened, but what is it doing for you today? Because if it's not doing anything for you on a day-to-day basis, then what good is it in the earth? I mean, it's good because He did it, but He didn't do it just to do it. He did it for you and I. And so today I want to look at the resurrection and where the resurrection fits with every one of us sitting in here today. Verse 7, Paul says this, He said, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. In the verses before this, he was kind of going through his uh, life and what he had done and the things that he had accomplished and, and what all of that meant. I mean, Paul was one of the most educated men of his day. And what he's saying here is, he said, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Now, through the years, I wasn't raised in the church, so I got born again 
right before my high school graduation. Put a kink in it. <clears throat> um, but right before my high school graduation, uh, I got born again. Didn't know anything about God before I got born again. After I got born again and have been born again now for 45 years, um, through the years, I have found people that have read this passage of Scripture right here, and, you know, what, what they're thinking is, when, when they hear this, that the Apostle Paul counted everything as rubbish, that he may gain Christ, so that means he needs to, that you and I have to get rid of everything, and, and, and in getting rid of everything, that we live this kind of pauper lifestyle. This kind of beggar, just barely get along, you know, meaningless lifestyle. That, that, that's the way you and I are supposed to live. I mean, it doesn't say anything like that in here. And yet, people have created that mindset. What, what I had to find out in my own personal life is that there were things that I put stock in, that I put my faith in, that I was trying to be fulfilled in, that that's not where it was. I was raised in a home where my dad was a golf professional, so duh, I played golf. I played golf all my growing up, junior golf and high school golf and college golf, and I was a professional for about three years, and, and, and in my pursuit of golf, I was looking for fulfillment, and in the beginnings, or toward the end of that career of golf, I found God. And uh, I kept trying to create something in my golf game that would produce a fulfillment in life, and I never found it. It was never there. And uh, I, by choice, stepped out of that world and into this world. <laughs> and the only thing I knew about Christianity is I didn't like preachers. Before I say, I just didn't like, I, I mean, it, most of the preachers, they were mean and mad and they wore suits, and I didn't like suits, and, you know, why in the heck would I want to be a preacher, you know? <laughs> Don't ever say never about anything you do, right? <clears throat> but I, I'm, I'm a pastor today, and today I actually have a suit on. I haven't worn a suit in many years, many years, but I have, I have a suit on today in, in my acknowledgement of the greatness of God, amen? I'm honoring Him today in my suit. <clears throat> But you know what? It, it, it doesn't matter about those kind of things anymore, see? Because, because what I realized along the way, I realized that there was nothing that could give me the fulfillment, the void that I had on the inside of me. And what, what I realized was that golf, that was my dad's thing. And that wasn't really my thing about my whole life. That, that wasn't mine. See, before for the foundation of the world, God had a plan for me and for you. And what I began to do as I was taught the Word of God, I began to find out what the purpose and the plan of God was for me. And it took me, you know, a number of years to get to the place where I would even be open because all these people kept telling me, you know, uh, they'd prophesy over me, uh, you're, you're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're, you're created for ministry and pastoring, you know, and I just like, get behind me, Satan, you know. I mean, I, I didn't want that. But on the backside of a, of a farm, my wife's grandparents' farm in Poplar Bluff, Missouri, 
I was sitting on a four-wheeler, and I was looking over the water, the little pond that they had on their, their property. I heard God say to me, I want you to do this. I never heard that. I've never heard anything like that before. You say, was it an audible voice? I think. Maybe it wasn't. I, I mean, but I've never heard anything like it before. He told me, I've called you to pastor. And about two years later, we sold everything we had, and we were in Kerrville, Texas. In 1989. And what's happened through that development is what Paul said here. I consider everything else like manure or, if you will, crap. That's what the Greek calls it. So, if you've got a problem with crap... <clears throat> Talk to God. I consider anything else in life as nothing compared to knowing Him. And knowing the power of His resurrection, what He's done and what He's accomplished. See, today, I still play golf and I play pretty dang good because I want to and I play with other people, and, it's, and that, that game has given me inroads into people's lives because I'm good, and I have a history, and I'm connected to a lot of really good and popular people because that was part of my world. But that's not my advantage. My advantage is him. I gave that up. I quit doing something that wasn't the will of God to be able to embrace what He had for me. <clears throat> I have another little story to tell. Sandy, I'm, I'm going I'm to use Dan, uh, and I know you won't mind. <laughs> What's she going to say? No, don't do that. <clears throat> but about four years ago, I had the privilege, and I had known Dan before, but, but I had the privilege of seeing Dan walk in this place. Dan Weinheimer, if you don't know, he is today uh, enjoying Easter in heaven. Yes, he's in heaven today. But I had the joy of having him come in here and hear the word preached. And I had the joy of watching a man with some difficulties in the past, who hasn't had difficulties, embrace truth and make a change. You know how hard that is? It's hard. You know what's hard? Is because pride wants us to keep what we have and not admit to what we've done wrong. When you get the revelation that you can admit you've done wrong and Old things are passed away and everything is brand new. When you get that revelation, then why hold on to anything from the past? And it took Dan a while, but I can say he got it. And he crossed over to the other side. And, and, and I, 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 I mean, maybe I'm not seeing this, but I feel like I can see that he is so, I mean, you know, 
everybody here will miss Dan, especially Sandy and his children and grandchildren and everybody. They, everybody will miss him. But I'm telling you, I feel like he's saying, don't shed a tear for me. I'm in some Bible studies you can't even imagine. I'm in some studies and times like you can't even imagine. And one day, you'll see him again. I didn't say that people don't say, well, you know, you can't miss him. No, no. Sandy will miss him dearly. Dearly. But he's in a great place. And the other thing is this. When someone passes to the other side and you don't receive something that you were believing for, once it's done, you rejoice. You know why? Because Dan is healed. He received what he was believing for. He stepped over the other side, continuing to believe because he had something to believe with. I kind of think that people, saved or unsaved, that don't develop a life of faith here, I feel like that in heaven, they kind of go to a nursery. Because you have to learn faith. See, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. And that's true even on that side. And if you don't learn how to please God in the midst of resistance, then I, I kind of feel like you find yourself in, in nursery. But that's not where Dan's at. He learned and he embraced, and he's a testament to everybody that you can believe the Word of God in spite of things in your life, your past, or anything else. He's a great testament. And Sandy, I'm, I'm saying to you today that I know you miss him, but you have much to be grateful and thankful for because you stood the test in believing God for him, and he came to where he was when he left here because of you. Amen. I say that. Give God a great hand today. Amen. I'm sorry I didn't know that I was going to go into that, but I had to just say that in tying this with my message today. But in Philippians 3, and, and ending with the last couple of verses, and he said, he said, so th- then Paul says, that I may know him, watch this, and the power of his resurrection, the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. Listen to me. What he's talking about here, he wants us to understand the power of his resurrection, what it accomplished, so that it empowers us to be able to live on top of things and not underneath things. He said the power of his resurrection and fellowship with his sufferings, not suffer the way he suffered, but fellowship with his sufferings, understand his sufferings so that you don't have to suffer. And the more understanding that we get, the more liberated that we get. And the more liberated you are, the more potential you have to help liberate your neighbor. And who's your neighbor? Everybody but you. Wherever it is. On the job, next door to you. You know, in family. I don't care where it's at. God wants you to be experiencing daily 
what the resurrection produced so that that resurrection that is producing in you will produce in other people. The duplication process since Jesus left has never stopped. Same anointing that were on the disciples that were with Jesus, same anointing that are now on the disciples, you and I, we are disciples of Christ, just like Peter, James, and John were. They're no different. Yeah, they were called in the beginning and thank God for them. You'll get to meet them when you're on the other side, right? All that's good, but there's no difference in the anointing on them and the anointing on us because it's the same spirit. And God's given you and I that. Be conformed to his death, what his death produced. He was in the garden. We talked about it last week. He was in the garden, takes Peter, James, and John with him from the, from the edge of the garden where all the disciples were. They go a little farther. He tells them to pray. <clears throat> he said, I'm at the point of suffering and being so distressed that I feel like I'm dying. He leaves there, he leaves Peter, James, and John, he goes farther, he falls flat on his face, and what does he say? Father, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. Let what I'm having to go through pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. We all know this, or we should know this, the greatest act of submission the world has ever known. The the will of Jesus and the will of the Father were different in that moment, but he said, not my will, yours be done. And when he made the choice in the garden, when he made that choice in the moment, you and I were liberated. Right then, when he said, not my will, but yours be done, that it was over with. Because of the decision that he made, could he have made the opposite decision? If he couldn't have made it, if he couldn't have made that, somebody said, no, there's no way that Jesus could have possibly not chosen then he's not the perfect example. The pressure came, the stress came to the point of death. You ever been stressed? Not like that. Not taking all the ugliness that humanity's ever experienced, ever will experience, and is experiencing now, he took on himself, and there was some doubt. God, if there's any other way. He starts sweating drops of blood. If there's any other way, but not my will. Yours be done and accomplished. And because he made that choice, now you and I can understand what it's like to walk through something where there's pressure. Oh, pastor, just pray for me that I never have pressure. Okay? We'll pray you die. Because if you live in this life, you will have pressure. And you will deal with stress. And you will deal with all kinds of things. But because he took it on himself... Because he went to the cross and because he was resurrected and because he went to the right hand of the Father and he sits there and he represents us there, we can overcome anything that we face. The songs that were sung today, all about what he did, and he's our, that's where our faith is, that's where our confidence is. There's nothing that you and I cannot overcome if our faith is being developed And our trust is being developed in who He is to us. I need to know who I am in Him, right? I need to know who I am in Him, who He is in me. And the more I know that and I understand it, the more I can embrace what He accomplished. Can you say amen to that?
Revelation 1 and verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead. What does it mean, the firstborn from the dead? The firstborn from the dead. Why didn't it just say he was the only one from the dead? Because he's not the only one. And I'm going to show you this in another passage we're going to read. But he said, and the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own body. And we're so grateful and thankful. Amen? In 1 Corinthians 15, and I want to talk about Jesus being the firstborn from the dead and how his resurrection is our resurrection. Did you hear me? His resurrection is my resurrection. His resurrection is your resurrection. And I want, to, I want to see this. It'd be real profitable for you to go back and read the whole uh, 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, but I'm just going to, I've broken it down where I don't read the whole chapter. <clears throat> Starting with verse 20. But now, everybody say now. <laughs> Today, huh, the, what's this, the 9th of, March, uh, 9th of April? 2023. But now, today, Christ is risen from the dead. Right now. And has become the first fruits, there he is, of those who have fallen asleep. Meaning, the fallen asleep, meaning are dead. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, in the natural, you know how many people today don't believe there's anything after this life? Ooh. Hmm? And, and don't be offended if you like this book, okay? I'm just using this as an example. Please don't be offended if you like this book. I've never heard of it until somebody showed it to me. I'd never heard of it, but this is the name of the book. All Roads Lead to God. That's the name of a book, okay? But I don't care who writes it or how much you try to talk yourself into it, there's only one road to God. There's only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. I'm saying that today from this pulpit because I'm talking. And I get to say what I want to say right? I don't go offend other people. I have many friends that don't believe this, that believe all roads lead to God. When they leave here, they're, they're, they're done. But if there's a heaven, well, he's a good God, so he'll make sure I get there. And there's truth to that, that he's a good God, but the truth in the Word says you have to choose that. Yeah. But every person, he's a just God, every person will have the opportunity to do that. Everybody. Don't, don't, I mean, there, there's a lot of people in heaven that people thought, well, that guy can't be. 
There's no way that guy can. I mean, I mean, all the things he did. <laughs> Good thing you're not God. <clears throat> Amen? But there's a lot of people in heaven. And God didn't create hell for people. He created hell for the devil and demons. But if people choose to go, they're welcome. Can't imagine why. But people that don't understand don't understand that it's real and it's a real place just like heaven's a real place. Our job to live the life and let our life speak to the fact that heaven is a real place and so is hell and you don't want to live there. Can you say amen to that? Right? And so in, in this passage here, he's saying and explaining, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, there it is again, Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God to the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. For he has, made, he has put all things under his feet, the Father has, under Jesus' feet. But when he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he who put all things under him is expected. Now when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him, that God may be all and in all. You say, why did you read all of that? For a purpose, okay? And I have the last 10 verses of that chapter to read also. But here's the thing. Jesus, before the foundation of the world, and follow with me as much as you can on this. Before the foundation of the world, Jesus was part of the triune being as the Word of God. The Word became flesh and the Word dwelt among us. And His purpose, His purpose for living, His purpose for being born was three years of ministry and then accomplishing what He accomplished. That was His purpose. Can you say amen to that? And in His purpose, as we're reading right here, He chose to be and to go through what he went through, so he's the first of those who will be raised from the dead. As you read in this passage here, it talks about the fact that many will be raised from the dead. People that have died before, who have slept, shall be raised to life. At, at the resurrection of the Lord Jesus over 2,000 years ago, all the graves begin to come alive. If you read in Scripture, people were raised from the dead. At the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, people will be raised from the dead again. Those who are dead in Christ shall be raised, and we shall be connected with Him, and then, as it's saying here, He will rule on the earth for a thousand years. And when He's done, then the enemy and all his demon forces are put in hell, the, the lid is shut, and it's over with. That's the plan and the purpose of God. He was raised from the dead so that we could follow in his footsteps. 
we could follow after him and be a part of this magnificent kingdom that has positioned you and I as brothers and sisters to the Lord Jesus Christ. See, Jesus, before he was Jesus, was the Word of God. He's still the Word of God, but our connection with the Word of God is with Jesus the Son. He didn't come to the earth to become the Son of God. He already was. He came to the earth to become the Son of Man. He became our elder brother, the first one raised from the dead, so that we could follow in his footsteps and get and receive everything that he wants for our lives. Can you say amen to that? See, if you and I ignore that and we try to figure things out in this life on our own, if we try to figure out things on our own in this life, we find ourselves failing and miserably failing and not accomplishing what God put us here for. God puts you here to overcome, and I want you to read this, listen to this last passage that I'm going to read, 1 Corinthians 15 and 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible, this, must put on incorruption, which is our resurrected glorified bodies. And this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O hell, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But watch this. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory now through our Lord Jesus Christ. Watch what he says. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in God because of what he's called you to do and what he's called you to accomplish. He said, thanks be to God, in other words, death has no victory over us. You leave this planet, you leave planet earth here, and you go to the other side, you have not died if you're born again. You've, you, you have been, you've transferred from one location to the next because right now, all of us, we live in eternity now. Amen? And the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ has empowered us to learn how to live in heaven on earth. That's why we've got to know the Word of God. That's why we've got to know these things. That's why we can't be afraid of death. We can't be afraid of of natural things that come against us. Jesus paid the price for us. And the more we know him, listen, the more we know him, then the more we can deal with whatever comes our way, right? And the more I know him, the more I can be effective at making sure other people know the exact same things. When someone leaves here prematurely in my eyes, I didn't receive everything that I had believed God for for another person. I always check myself. Lord, could I have done something else? Did I miss it somewhere? But when I know that I didn't, if I, or if I did, I'm going to change it. But even if I know I didn't, 
I'm going to get more, I'm going to get better and, and more focused at living this life where other things don't try to control the way I think and how I operate. To be delivered, as Paul said, of the things of the past, the ways of thinking of the past. I don't want to just think the same all the time. I want to get better in my thinking. I want to get stronger in my thinking. I, wanna, I want to know more about what it's, what it's like and how to be connected to the sufferings of Jesus, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, and everything that that accomplished for mankind. I want to know it now, right? When we leave here and we get to the other side, that's one thing. But I want to know it now like I've never known it before. And that's why, that's why we have to look at Jesus as the victor. He is the victor, but we've got to see him that way. And if you don't see him as the victor, then you're always trying to find victory. You're always trying to overcome. No, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I get the victory in everything that I walk through, that, I, that, that I'm faced with. I don't care what it is I'm faced with. I get the victory if I turn toward Him, if I'm learning from Him, if the Word is becoming part of me on a day-to-day basis. Can you say amen to that? <clears throat> Romans chapter 6, and I'll end with this, and verse 10, verse 10 and 11. And I'm going to read this out of the Passion Translation. For by his sacrifice, he died to sin's power once and for all. But he now lives continuously for the Father's pleasure. So let it be the same way with you. Let what be the same way? For by his sacrifice, he died to sin's power once and for all. But he now lives continuously for what the Father wants. And then he says, let the same thing be with you. Let you live the same way today. Since you are now joined with him, you must continually view yourselves as dead and unresponsive to sin's appeal while living daily for God's pleasure in union with Jesus, the anointed one. The word sin there, when people think of sin, they think of the acts of sin, things that, are, that people would say are bad. You're, you're, you're a drug addict, you're a this, you're, you know, you're, you're an adulterer, you're whatever it would be. Those are the acts of what people say are sin. But true sin is just disobedience to God. So what he's saying here is, What Jesus paid for was to empower you to obey God, to deal with disobedience by obeying God, doing what is right with God. That's what he's saying right here. He said in verse 14, remember this, sin or disobedience will not conquer you, for God already has. His resurrection has conquered you. What I begin to see with Dan Weinheimer day by day by day, week by week by week, month by month by month, is I begin to watch Dan relinquish control of his life and cast it onto God. I'm not just saying that. I saw that 
on a regular basis. I had many conversations with him about the Word of God, and I saw, and, and it, it was a struggle because it is a struggle when you're coming out of your past and into new things, it's a struggle. But I watched him, I watched him stay with it and not quit. And you know what? I gave him this one day, and, and, I, and I told him to declare this over himself. I've said this over myself and over many people. If, if I pray, I mean, if you're part of this body, I pray for you every day, and I speak this all the time, that sin will not have dominion. Disobedience will not have dominion over you. You need to be speaking that over yourself every day. Sin and disobedience will not have dominion over me. Why? Because I can handle it. I can do it. I, I, I can obey everything that God tells me to do. No, because of the power of his resurrection that empowers you to be able to do that. So the disobedience becomes less and less and less because of your desire to do what's right in his eyes. Not for anybody else. Your obedience to God can't be for anybody else. It has to be between you and God. And he said here in this, in this Passion Translation, remember this, sin will not conquer you for God already has. You're not governed by the law, by, oh, I can't do this and I can't do that and I, I have to be good enough to do all this and accomplish this. No, not governed that way, but governed by the reign of the grace of God. And the grace of God is the empowerment of God. He empowers you and I to do what is correct and what is right. And today, I'm, I'm saying to you on this resurrection day, the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ is available to each one of us this day. This isn't just any day. As, my, as, as Amanda said earlier, this should be, this day and what it represents should be our, the same day every day. It should be Easter every day. It should be Easter all the time because of what it represents. In that passage in 1 Corinthians, uh, that part that I didn't read, it said in there, if the resurrection of God is real, why are there so many of you that don't believe in the resurrection? There's many people that don't believe in the resurrection. I've talked to many, many people. You can't force people to believe in the resurrection. And to believe that somebody was raised from the dead and still is alive after all these years, you know, for the natural mind, it's hard to comprehend. But today, by faith in God, we believe that that's so, and he's alive. Can you say amen to that? He has been resurrected, and he is alive, and he is well today. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, we invite you to share it with someone in your life. We would love for you to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You can also download our app and stay connected to Gates and access to the Word of God anytime you need it. We are believing that the seed of today's Word is going deep in your heart and that you always remember God is more than enough in every situation of your life.